there's a very exciting scene of young designers happening in the U.S. now. And I, and I think, you know, I'm seeing a lot of that, I think, you know, through Instagram in a way like, you know, Instagram, you can almost imagine is just like its own platform and the way that you curate your Instagram with the offices you follow and the things that you follow, like you're kind of making your own version of in that way. And so I think, you know, kind of coming across that is like, it's been exciting to kind of see that newer generation emerge. And, and it, yeah, it's, I think I touched on a little earlier, it's happening in every country. And it's, it's fascinating to kind of look at that, that whole, like whatever that new zeitgeist is and like how all like the individual approaches are coming out of their own cultural contexts and like dealing with maybe similar universal kind of struggles that we deal with as architects in terms of just spatial planning and materiality and all that stuff, but how it's executed across through different cultural influences is super fascinating. Welcome to Best Practice, a show where we interview leaders in the building industry to unpack the tools, strategies, and tactics they use to run great organizations. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Katerina Benjamin of Context Tour and Jeff Kaplan of Subtilitas. Katerina Benjamin is a co-founder of Context Tour, digital magazine spinning around architecture based in Leipzig and Berlin. Katerina is a research associate and architectural educator at TU Dresden as the chair architectural design and construction and um, as part of Schultz and Schultz. Jeff Kaplan is the founder of Subtilitas, a website that features a connected visual lineage of contemporary projects emphasizing craft, detail, and materiality. Jeff is a Los Angeles-based designer and co-founder of LA-based architecture and interior design practice part office. Jeff and Katerina, thank you very much for joining. Thank you for the invitation. So I want to start with, I want to know what the founding story of Context Store and Subtilitas is. I started Subtilitas around the end of 2009, I think was when the first post was made. It was kind of the convergence of, of quite a few things happening at once. Pragmatically around that time, of course, is when we were going through the economic recession, which really impacted architecture offices in the U.S. And, and I was kind of without work for a while and living in New York at the time. And in that time, I was just really trying to stay inspired, despite being so disenfranchised with the fact that there was not a lot of work, feeling like a little discouraged by the architectural profession at the time. So I kind of took to doing a lot of just personal research. And a lot of that research stemmed from, I went to school uh, in New Orleans. At the time, I think a lot of the things that we were seeing was focused around this kind of, you know, in the early 2000s, late 90s, like this new sort of digital wave of architectural design that became really popular in the US, these like kind of really alluring forms and like very formal language of architecture. And I ended up doing a, an abroad program in the middle of all that that took me to Switzerland and Vienna and Prague. And that was a kind of a surprising introduction to a whole other type of architecture that I wasn't really seeing much in my studies. And it was it was an architecture that was based you know, it ends up being the kind of the foundation of what a lot of subtilitas was built on. It was stuff that was formed around like a certain understanding of craft and building and materiality that I think was maybe absent from a lot of that uh, more showy architecture that I was seeing. And so I think, you know, that kind of interest coupled with this downtime I had gave me the the time to sort of start to collect these images from my travels, researching a little bit more about the offices I was introduced to. It kind of went from sharing, you know, these projects with colleagues to kind of wanting my own space to kind of collect them. So I just had like a running stream of, of the types of work I was interested in. So it really just started as a personal vessel for things I was interested in. And I think over time, it found itself an audience. But 
it's still kind of centered on that that original impetus to kind of start it. Yeah, I see some similar motives here. Um, what brought us uh, to Found Context too, and it was in 2017. And I was um, at the end of my studies in at the Bauhaus University in Weimar. And me and my project partner, Alain Marie Linnemann, we were project partners in two semesters. In one semester, we were doing... Um, something for Professor Ines Weizmann at the Center for Documentary Architecture. And we were working a lot um, with sources, with film, with audio material. We were interviewing a lot of people on camera about the um, Jewish architecture in Germany, which is, of course, um, vanished away by... Um, the next semester, we had a construction sem uh, semester um, uh, year and it wasn't going well for us. And we were somehow really annoyed and we were troubled with the whole profession, with the perspective of graduating and transferring into the, um, the working world. And I just had become a young mother. And for me, it was like, oh, my God, why did I ever came up with the idea to study architecture? <laughs> what should happen with my life when I when I leave the university? And Aline was feeling um, the same. And we somehow were really, really unsatisfied with the architectural scene in Germany being dominated by big three-letter offices who were building everything and the young generation couldn't come in even more with the communication the publication about architecture in Germany with these quite traditional magazines reporting about competitions and buildings being built by these three-letter offices and then we always had this we want to find a voice how can we do it and we were actually we had to do our designs for our, uh, for our project but then we were always sitting in restaurants and had a coffee and a lunch and our minds were going somewhere else and we said okay we we have to um, found a magazine maybe a post really insightful up-to-date architectural content and it has to be the best it has to look the best but then somehow we thought Hmm, we don't have any money, we don't have any resources, we don't have anyone who will give us something for the whole um, coding and uh, for the content. And then um, her boyfriend, her partner at the time, maybe you just go start with Instagram. And we were like, what? Instagram? No way. This is like not on our level. We were quite suspicious. Then we said, come on, let's give it a go. We were having this name, Context Tour, and we were registering. And then we started, and we started quite without a plan. We were, photo, we were going to the library at the Bowers University. We were taking photos of our lamps or the furniture of our parents, like really um, without a plan. But somehow we got any still more followers and then we had thousand followers and then somehow everything um, went up from there and we changed our plans. We always had this iteration process. What should it be? What should it be? Then we started with the website and then somehow four years later, I'm still doing this and Aline is working as an architect and she left Context Tour as it become too much work to do it um, yeah, next to architects. I'm curious to learn about after the founding story, like, you know, for example, like Jeff, quite a while ago in a sort of different era of the internet, what have been the eras? And then also Katerina, after that founding, what were some phases of that project that both of you were running sort of just as a 
sort of hobby. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think it's something, you know, that I I question a little bit now because, you know, 11 almost 12 years after the original founding because at the time also when I was starting it it was also in a lot of response to just what I was seeing as, you know, the kind of general architectural media landscape at the time and there was definitely, you know, this isn't there had already been like established larger online platforms only that existed for quite a while at that point. But I think I was struggling to kind of find any sort of coherent through line with a lot of that. I think it was either that, you know, they were posting 15, 20 projects a day or these projects were intermixed with advertisements or sponsored posts or just visually that the website format at the time was like really cluttered with things that I found really distracting. And even if they shared the type of work I was interested in, I was finding it really difficult to locate it or appreciate it within the context of like all this other stuff around it. And so, you know, at the time when I sort of had a friend that had just like a blog on Tumblr and recommended it as a platform, because visually it was a little bit more customizable than a lot of like the free options at the time. And they only allowed you to post a single image originally when that site was early on. And there was something, you know, this is like pre-Instagram, pre-Pinterest. And so there was actually something really novel and refreshing about that. Like distilling an architectural project down to a singular image was like, I don't know, something, there was something really interesting about that to me. And so like the early on phase of that was kind of like, okay, I have to go through this project that I really like, and I have to find one image of it. And then I'm finding the next project that I'm trying to find that image, you know, and then I'm starting to understand that like, there might be some visual similarities between certain projects. And then it became about the juxtaposition of these. And then growth within the site has just sort of really followed like, you know, essentially just the technical limitations of the platform because I still keep it on the same platform. So when they started to allow additional images, I would put additional images, you know, the inclusion of things like, you know, floor plans and drawings and additional credits and making sure that all that's there. I think I've learned a lot about, you know, image rights and, and kind of respecting, you know, the authors of this stuff because none of this content's my own. I'm only sharing it. And with that comes like a certain responsibility to all the people involved. So I think, you know, becoming a little bit more mature in that understanding over the years, being more communicative with the offices and the photographers of work published, especially if I'm discovering something that I don't see widely available on the web, or if it's something newer, I think there's, there's much more responsibility with that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's very similar to where it started. And I think that's, you know, maybe another conversation about why that is. But um, I, I think in some ways it hasn't, undergone much growth in terms of just like the way it's formatted. It's still the exact same landing page that you would have gotten 12 years ago, just maybe now with a little bit more content and a little bit more intention behind the adjacencies of the posts. Yes, we started with Contextual four years ago. And for us was from the beginning was important to not sense a growth. I guess when we would, this was the top priority, we would have posted like six times a day and we would do the whole context to a website completely different. I guess every SEO manager would like cry on the context to a website because we, from the beginning we said we don't want any ads on the website. We don't want any way of if you clicked on one interview, you don't want to see um, little notes that tell you, please look at this interview as well. So we don't have any um, horizontal way of uh, going next, but this is intentional. We don't have any forum or any comment section. What's totally opposite to the way we are acting on Instagram. And this is from the beginning extremely important to me that these two mediums are working opposite to each other. So Instagram is 
not planned at all. I'm waking up and I'm looking what's what's on my mind. What do I read in the paper? What do we, what do I get sent from the crowd? And this is my content for the day. And the interview, maybe Jeff knows it as we did an interview, is incredibly slow, the website. We somehow work for one year with someone for an interview. We tell them, take all the time you need. We don't have any deadline. Enjoy slow writing. And we try to totally take this part out of this share, interact, grow, 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 click. This should be a total, be a calming experience and a lot of media outlets were dealing with architecture and um, in Germany, you have the content and then you have all the ads and the ads don't fit with the architectural language. And from the beginning, I said, when I do want to have ads, I want to have it more like Vogue, but the ads as good as uh, aesthetically as a content or even more aesthetically. And this is at the architecture, I think it's like worlds apart. And so we decided as we don't have this beautiful ads or this calming ads, We don't want to do it without the ads on the website. Uh, just back, coming back to your question, when we started Instagram, it was all about the images. There was this big collage style that was really big when someone put a, a pink sky behind his or her building. It's got more likes right away. And I think it was 2017 or 18 when Instagram ripped off Snapchat and started to start. And this was somehow a, a way to go because from the beginning, I had this feeling that I should interact with this question too. And um, I think this is what Context2 is known for, that we are having this question rounds and having the possibility for the people to give their anonymous. One really curious thing about Context2 is that It's like a, a vehicle to listen to the questions of so many people. And I'd love to know what some, maybe some of the most common questions are that people ask. And I also want to direct this question as well to Jeff. I know Jeff from reaching out. I'm curious about the people who are behind these things. And so I reached out to Jeff years ago, even back in 2013, I was following Subtilitas. Was, I thought of it as the extension of uh, the architecture library. But yeah, I'd like to start with Katerina on what are the most common questions that you get? The most common questions are first, please, can you ask for offices in that place or this country or in Paris or planning a time in Copenhagen? I just can't find big offices because Scandinavia is somehow known for They're really, really big corporations and they, they have a small studio culture, but they're somehow overshone by these really, really big, big structures. Then, of course, I think that we became really well known for the money talks. I'm a fresh graduate. I want to start. I'm having um, these talks with some offices. What is the, um, what could I earn in this city? Because even in Germany, it's totally different if you're looking for a job here in Leipzig or Dresden, what's former GDR, or you're looking for a job in Munich. It's totally different weight uh, salary levels. And everyone is quite mute about it. So even when we have this question, do you talk with your friends about money, about what you're earning? No. Yes, that's really important. But when we start this conversation, for example, uh, graduate salaries, I have to take three days more or less off 
because as the platform or the account grows, you can't hand so many messages. It's really like, and um, it's uh, quite amazing. And then we, of course, have, um, we have a lot of German messages. And then the people think, to translate it, I'm typing it from the Instagram story as you can't copy paste to put it in a Google Translate, please, please translate it. And then we started translating it and that didn't get even bigger. And then of course you have the problem as you have like um, unequal world, right? We're talking about uh, salary levels in Germany, but then people from Italy, Portugal, well, other economic um, situation or even India at, uh, are writing us, Oh, uh, but we are just earning this. And then somehow it gets too complicated. So we started to make smaller parts where we can discuss over it because you can't discuss over worldwide salary wages. You don't have a, you can't put it into perspective. So it gets a little more complicated to do this question rounds because it's so many people are taking part. I think the the kind of, contact with the community is much less a part of, of Subtilitas at the moment. So I think like a lot of the questions are, you know, what's your favorite building? What's your favorite gymnasium? Who's your favorite this? Who's your favorite that? And I think it's always like a Subtilitas is in some ways, even though it's a very personal thing pushed by my own interests and things that parallel what I like about the practice. I prefer to keep it a little bit anonymous in that ways. I think in the early days, like when Tumblr had its own little community and there was myself and a few other architecture blogs that were starting around the same times, there was like a little bit more of an interaction in that sense with like readers, like Tumblr used to have an ask function. And so there'd be, you know, I think maybe similar a little bit to what Katrina was saying, like a lot of young students asking for recommendations or how do I deal with this in school? Like, what should I look for in this and that? And that kind of died down. There was a little bit of a resurgence when I started the Instagram page of it, because obviously there's the ability to kind of communicate pretty freely through messages or occasionally I would do a story and there'd be like a little question and answer. But I don't know. I, I think I prefer to maybe keep myself out of it in some ways in that way, because I think to sort of maintain why I started it and what the objectives were in the beginning is to really focus on this kind of lineage of work. And um, I try to kind of leave that sort of side of things out a little bit. I do get a lot of submissions as well, which is like a, a more recent thing, maybe in the last six or seven years of, you know, offices wanting to have work featured, which is a really flattering thing, but it also becomes difficult because I think it's and somehow the posts that I find, I like to try to come across by my own research process. And I always worry that sometimes, you know, if we're sharing the same project that you can see on, you know, six more platforms, then what's the reason that someone would be interested in visiting my site where I think, um, again, it's about resurfacing maybe slightly older projects or slightly different projects so that it's not kind of the headlines going across across every blog. And I do have to say thanks to Chris too, to, you know, as a full disclosure, because Chris has also been long my technical help with Subtilitas after he had reached out early on and has helped me because I'm pretty uh, inept when it comes to just dealing with some of the the back end stuff for Subtilitas. So some of the the reaching out that's been done for people over the years, like Chris and like many others, has come in a lot of support that's helped keep the site going, you know, all those submissions, even if I'm not answering emails or acknowledging all of them or posting them right away or posting them in a year, it all is um, greatly appreciated and flattering to kind of have this, like all these people contacting me and, and all that is an education and, and kind of keeps the website going and populated by new ideas that I might not otherwise know. But it's funny that you mentioned it because when we started, we were using aliases. 
We mm-hmm. don't want anyone to know who we are because we mm-hmm. were still studying. And the problem is in Germany, you have to um, put your address and your phone number on your website. Mm-hmm. And we were really thinking about maybe um, starting something in Great Britain or Luxembourg where you don't have this to be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the beginning, we were more acting like on a little whistleblower kind of thing like even more than it is now I think um, we're keeping the peace with all the institutions and all the offices more or less at the beginning we were thinking we're really going because Mm -hmm. now we have entered the working world and I'm working for institution for the educational institution I have to be careful in what I say and what I post because in somehow I'm responsible what's your favorite discoveries that you've come across because of the platforms, like opportunities that have come about, or even as you've been searching around, like Jeff, you have your own research process that you do. And Katerina, you're getting more questions and inquiries and comments from people than you can handle, you know, from multiple languages. I'd love to know what discoveries stand out because you've brought these platforms into being. That's an interesting question. I, I think it probably is maybe tying into what I was saying last is really just, I mean, I've been the discovery of, you know, practices, methodologies, you know, I, I think to like kind of be introduced to so much work is, um, you know, like feel for the fire, of course, for the website, but also just personally in my, my interest in just sort of discovering these things. And I think to look, you know, kind of across so many different places and sort of see what a lot of young offices are doing. It's interesting to sort of see in the last maybe 10 to 12 years, like, like as I've been focusing on this, the, the ebbs and flows of certain different ideas and how they're maybe executed across different places, how they're interpreted. It's, it's always exciting to kind of, you know, see what the younger generation is doing and then to see that in context of, of what's happening in other places is super satisfying. And, uh, and I think, you know, on a more personal level, just the, the kind of community aspect of it, like the, you know, the practices that I've met, you know, through this and in, in more personal ways, other content creators like Katrina, you know, we've been sort of talking, if not just through Instagram over a few years. And it's, it's really interesting to be able to have the types of conversations similar to what we're talking about now. And then, you know, even just sharing work. And like I'd mentioned, the early kind of community that was around Tumblr at the time with like Archive of Affinities or Of Houses or FBI Brutalism or Alera Fritz and Balden, like all these kind of content creators who were doing something very different than me, but it was sort of led to a lot of um, just sort of discussions and talks and, and, you know, Andrew Kovacs of Archives of Affinities in LA. So it's like every once in a while, we'll, we'll kind of reconnect and, and just sort of talk about like, okay, we're still doing our blog. We were doing it for 10 years. What's it mean? What's this mean? And so I'm, I'm really thankful for the opportunities of that kind of more personal community outside of just what happens sort of behind the screen. This is one thing that we share. We are both really interested in architectural books. Yeah, Context 2 is like, I love that this project brings me to deal on a daily basis with architectural books to take the photographs. I bought uh, a lot for one, two uh, antiquarian books because Jeff had them in the story. For example, the Japanese wood book. And I found it quite affordable and then I, I went for it. This is really nice. And I think this is one funny thing that the really valuable side 
that I'm taking out of this whole Instagram project is really the direct messages that you don't see. It's not a shareable content. I'm discourse with a lot of young practices. And I really like this about Instagram because not all um, the young officers can afford a website. For example, I had one interview with a young Iranian office who can't have a website because of political reasons but they manage with some IP addresses uh, to have an Instagram account. And um, so the people are somehow, um, you can find them there quite early. And this is important for me. I don't like, I mean, I'm flooded with uh, press texts and this is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for with the interviews. I really, somehow the people are writing, uh, it was the first time I developed this stance or this position. Thank you for asking me. And this is what we are looking for, not for PR, PR people who have everything copy and paceable. So we like to have the first interview with a practice. This somehow I like what I like. Yeah, you were our first interview when we started our practice too. So. <laughs> That's great. What are some of the most unusual questions or suggestions that have come in from readers that might have even led you to take a new approach? Yeah, I'm not sure if there's been much that has has influenced in that way. I, I think, you know, it's a lot of what I, I had just said that, you know, I think maybe if anything, submissions and just sort of being introduced through either the practices themselves or sometimes, you know, of course, I'm always like trying to have posts have some relationship to the ones before and afterwards. And sometimes if I'll be on a string of a certain typology or there's a certain building element, someone will write me and be like, oh, do you know this project that also has this, you know, circular courtyard or, you know, this kind of steel you know, whatever building and, and that's always been good, but I, I don't, you know, I think in a, in a sort of selfish way, I also do tune out sometimes a lot of the suggestions, because again, I, I feel a little conscious of being too influenced by maybe either um, recommendations or suggestions that it might sort of change the course of it a little way and what, what it sort of developed. Um, so I'm not so sure there's been anything like significant that's kind of steered it one way or another for me. At the beginning, when we started posting, we were just posting what we we have liked. It's still that way. I never plan what I post. As I said, I plan what the interview, when it's coming and with whom. But the posting all on um, just what is what is the day? What do I post? But of course, we are a little bit more aware. Um, we are looking more actively for women in uh, in the practice. And we didn't do this at the beginning. It was somehow, speaking from this, a totally different um, time. Even in Germany, you, um, we didn't have that so... Uh, so this is something that the community is quite critical. Somehow I'm saying, okay, this is my opinion. I do this as I like because Context Tour is my project and I do it as I like. So this is somehow you really have to um, think about it that a, a project as Context Tour, you don't have a big editorial board or so no? And um, for example, like it was the Israel-Palestine conflict, you see that the social media had somehow, it's, it was difficult to discuss it in this place because I was at the Biennale, for example, I showed one picture of the Israel and I got a lot of angry messages and I somehow, ah, oh, I have to think about this. I have followers from every place in the world almost and everyone has a different cultural context but I still have mine and you can't think this all the time. So 
So you have um, uh, somehow to shield you against this because with 70,000 opinions, you can't live. I'm curious what kinds of questions you've been working through currently and if they tie in with the platforms that you're running and maybe even more specifically around like a question that you just like, you're looking, you're, you're curious, you're trying to find out, maybe it's something you've made some traction on, just would like to know like something that's very current as a question, curiosity of yours that you've been exploring and investigating through your platforms. I think I've, for, for mine, I think it even just sort of going all the way back to, you know, there's a couple sides of it. One, one being the sort of image-based kind of content and where that started when I started to and then where it is now. And, you know, to be honest, feeling a little, you know, kind of self-conscious or critical about that. Cause I, I think I, you know, as the sort of proliferation of like an image-based consumption of architectures expanded through all these things and you have something like Pinterest and you have something like Instagram and, you know, through all these kind of likes and reblogs and reposts and repins and stuff like that, through every step of that, you're removing some level of discourse, you're removing some level of authorship, even some criticality and certainly of context of it. And so I, I think it's, you know, it's sort of gone to this full circle where, you know, from being really enamored from the single image output of architecture within the way it used to be presented to now, that being like maybe a little bit more of an issue than it used to be. So just trying to sort of understand, okay, where does my site sit within that? Then is it, you know, a contribution to it? Is it, you know, part of that issue? You know, I, I try to kind of be resolute about the way that I present the work and making sure that it's all there. And, and you know, what can I do if someone kind of takes this or does this or does this? And of course, I present stuff with all the links back to these projects and hope that there's like, you know, the criticality and the the sort of responsibility of analyzing that is not just with the fact that, you know, I don't have the authority since I presented it to sort of say this project is without, you know, its issues or it's 100% a good solution to this. But at the same time, I think it's ignorant to think that like, we don't just kind of browse through things, say that's a pretty picture, like it and move on. So I think it's, um, you know, there's never really been an editorial voice aside from the decision to share this project. And I've, I've kind of battled with, you know, do I have comment on it? Do I not have comment on it? And of course I don't at the time. Some of that's maybe because of that sort of struggle about deciding whether or not to introduce that as a part of it. Another bit of it is maybe just, you know, a little bit of time constraints on like how much, you know, this has always been able to sort of be the hobby before and after work for me and, and less of something that I can really focus on in that way. And then, you know, I think to also touch on a little bit of what Katrina was saying about, you know, having all these followers, all these different opinions. Of course, my site presents a very sliver, small sliver of the architectural built world. You know, it, it clearly kind of follows like a very distinct path and it is not representative of all the interesting work that's happening all over the world. And so it's, you know, I hope that it, I'm interested in in sort of educating myself a little bit more to reach outside of, you know, I think the tenants of subtilis dust exist in places that are underrepresented. And I think it would behoove me to kind of continue to understand that and research and learn a little bit more about that so that subtilitas, even while maintaining the through line that structures it, is showing a little bit more diversity in the types of projects and especially the locations of the projects that it's sharing. From the beginning, it's, was always the plan to develop contextual more journalistically. But of course, it's a problem of the time, as I don't have the time to pen down everything myself or my team, Angelica, we are all quite busy. Um, I, from the beginning, I wanted to start like a column opinion piece 
that comes like maybe every three months. At the moment, we're thinking about a column about architecture and money finance uh, but we want to to find some someone or a group of people who are writing these pieces like maybe maybe financial journalists architectural journalists but it's always a question we, we won't do that until we can pay the people properly because this is one that's really important for us We can't go there uh, bragging on context. Oh, you should be, uh, you should tell your bosses you have to get paid probably. Don't do night shifts. And then we exploit some people um, panning opinion pieces for us without giving them the money they deserve for their knowledge that they're giving us. So this is really important. So we have to do this slowly. Another thing is well, what we are working on, the problem is of all the information and all the knowledge that we are sourcing with context to Instagram. It's um, not an easy way to get it out of Instagram. It's really somehow it's like it's glued there. We have it in the highlights. It's getting more and more highlights. It's going back somewhere. And we are working on a project with, which is called Context Well, We have a, a coder, graphic designers on it. And this will be quite um, really, really exciting. But it's uh, so much work. And there's so much to think about it. And we have beta testing uh, starting the end of the summer. How do you use this platform? But all the things like uh, what's the favorite office? Which office you can recommend for um, the working culture, for the architecture? I think these are things that you have to somehow make index, you have to have indexes about it, which can be searched, which can be, where you can work with the data somehow to have an argument when you say, we looked at this data from the whole world, this is the conditions the people work under, and this is not possible Well, how we do it with, with Instagram at the moment. So we're, we're trying this. It's a quite big step for us and we're quite um, excited and a bit frightened how this will work out. And another project is, um, you know it, Chris, when with the university, with the chair architecture, design and construction, we did the whole fundamental knowledge course for the first year We just put out in videos, we shared all the knowledge, and now we decided to do this all once again and as an English version. And um, I'm quite excited how this will turn out. We just have the, um, the English voices at the moment recorded. Um, and this is really amazing because this is originally content that you give 200 students a year. And in our Vimeo, Vimeo YouTube site, we just had 140,000 clicks for this basic construction course. So this is something that I find really, really interesting. But because when I started studying, when you didn't, uh, when you wasn't able to connect with your professor, your teacher, and he, you, you had no chance, you could go to books. But in the early stages of studying, um, it's not possible to get everything yourself from books. I kind of set a topic for this being how to share architectural knowledge. And I was also thinking of, the example of this new project that you've been doing on documenting like a foundational knowledge about construction. I've run polls myself about like the two things that seem to be missing from the education of an architect about practice are business and construction. And being that they're like the two disciplines that you have to build your own knowledge about, 
once you move into practice. And I think there's a lot of examples in construction, specifically from Germany too, about how to convey construction from a lens that it's understandable, it's designed, and it can be uh, synthesized in an elevated way as an architect. I sort of feel like that's missing still though from the business side, which is kind of a, an objective of Monograph is to think in some ways about like, what are the resources, how to represent all these aspects of business, which is the other missing piece of education, but through a lens that's similar to maybe how Burkhauser has been doing construction or Katerina, like how you've been thinking about your own video content through your university. Because I think without that, you sort of have to rely on simply analyzing sort of the photographs of precedence like you'd see in Subtilitas, right? Like those are examples of the finished work once synthesized. And you sort of try to reverse engineer and build your own knowledge of like, well, how did they achieve this new precedent in that condition right there? Katerina, have you thought about like, when you're talking about these questions about money and financing and like aspects of practice that are in a sense, they're technical, but they're technical from an, a business side. They're not technical from a construction side. Yeah. I'm just curious, maybe a little bit of your reflection on what that might look like for the other questions that, especially as you, as you move that content out of Instagram, the first part is just sourcing the material, but yeah. What, what are some other ideas? Like something you haven't touched on yet is like the job board that you've been doing, like different ways that you've been trying to finance, provide like a source of revenue for context or so that you could make it move further than just a hobby. So yeah, I'd love to hear some more of your thoughts on that. Yes, we're thinking quite intensively about the money question. Yeah, we try different things. We have a few corporations. I produced a podcast for a corporation partner. I, um, I started the job board and that was all again. We, I was thinking like one year, how should I do this? How should I do this on the website? Can we have a somehow submission process? Really, really complicated. But then I thought, come on, I need a template. I need an Instagram account. And I do it from there because we are quite fast. We are really nice. And we are really um, having a nice conversation with the people on via direct message. They're submitting it. We have the um, we have a pay what you want system. What's quite um, first the people are. But we are we are saying okay, this is a job board. You can pay what you want. Think about it, and it's for supporting the contracts to a structure. So it's not just paying your ad because we know you like context to and you can give something back. And we can pay our graphic designers. We can pay our coding people decently. We always thought about paywall, but then we don't. We thought we don't want to do this because this taking the whole um, what we just said, sharing knowledge, um, making it accessible away. I'm doing a lot of consultant work, social media consultancy. We have the context to guides. We are thinking about it, but we somehow have to operate it because it's. So in our heads that we can't make a commission out of it. We can't say, you person, please do context to guides for us. I think it's really important that it comes from the team and from our way of communicating. Yeah, that's interesting. I'd love to hear maybe just a few more examples of some favorite, just like some favorite examples, moments during maybe like a streak of projects or like it's it's been interesting for example, watching Jeff, two lectures I can recall. One, 
at a university you spoke at, and then another, which was, I think, a part of the Architecture Foundation in connection with of houses. And I think another office was involved in that. Despite how anonymous you try to make yourself, Jeff, I, th- I don't think that you can help but notice that you actually are really thoughtful of how you're thinking about these projects, especially as a practicing, you know, running an architecture firm in LA and applying, you know, your own thought process and own design process. So you, you really are reading into these projects, I imagine. And you can tell when you look at these lectures. So I'm, I'm hoping it would be interesting to hear a little bit about like some projects or a few, something that you've noticed, like really specifically about projects that have piqued your interest. Everyone can go check out the previous lectures, but I'd like to hear if there's one in particular that's been on your mind recently, uh, like a project or, or a series of projects or some kind of like condition that's popped up. Yeah, that's a tough one, to be honest. I mean, I, I think like, you know, tracing it all the way back to its origins and not to repeat what I was saying, but just, you know, to kind of be introduced to a certain type of work that wasn't within the academic or a colleague context in which I was seeing things at the time was really like where that started. And I think like where every project has been based off of and to sort of see a type of design that was kind of based off of a a really reduced understanding of materiality and the way that materials touch each other and connection and detail and construction being so integral into the design process as opposed to what was feeling like a lot of form making where those other systems are a consequence of that form making, not integral into the process. And, you know, it's, I, I think you can sort of see with the ebb and flow of this, what I'm thinking about at any given time. Like I think recently, the last couple of days has been a lot of Japanese houses. And it probably comes from the fact that, you know, here in LA, we're doing a lot of timber frame houses and just sort of looking at the way that, you know, I, I think there's always something super fascinating about the deconstruction of program and understanding of privacy and the urban condition within Japanese sort of residential architecture. And, and the ones that I've been looking at more recently has just really been just that. And so it's, it's hard to sort of say if there's been anything in particular that has like been the wow moment per se. I mean, I, I think, yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard because I, I think, you know, the relationship is still attest to my own practice. I think it's important that actually there is a little bit of a distance between those two, because I think especially because it is an image-based platform, it can be really easy for me to approach a project. And if I'm looking at my own site or kind of putting my mind into my own site, you're then sort of thinking aesthetics over methodology a little bit. And of course, like when we design our own projects, it's important we have our own process and conversations to kind of come up with the work that we have and not be swayed by like aesthetics first. And so I I think, you know, what I get more from the projects and even is what's represented is, of course, like, you know, if I'm sharing a project, I think there's something very beautiful and intriguing about it. I'm definitely looking like much more detail and learning about all the projects. And so I I think there's an immense education that's happened for me just through understanding these methodologies. And I think that's, you know, maybe like in, in when we kind of think about the reference in our project, it's sort of like looking to similar situations and seeing how someone solved through what process of ideas is the problem solving happening, even from the big picture of conceptual, or even like, how do you deal with the chimney coming up through a steep gabled roof? You know, like some of these things of, of like, that's the side of things that have been really helpful. But when we start our first like design conversations in our practice, we're, we're pretty conscious to sort of set aside, at least for me, I think my business partner obviously is a, is a different sort of approach to it because she doesn't run the blog in the same way. But like, I, I just have to separate that side of things because it'll be too easy for me to just get like really excited about some of like the visual stimuli that I've been seeing. One of my plans actually to once ask for young offices in the US 
And this is quite funny, even on the interview, over 150 interviews, we had this interview with you and with French Chiji from Boston. So this mm. was the only US American offices. And um, even on Instagram, I have the feeling I hear a lot of, about Mexican offices, about um, offices from Chile, from Paraguay. I get a lot of submissions from them. Uh, and I had, but I don't ha I have um, almost knowledge about the young architecture scene in the US. And you um, not like to sh share so many references from the world of uh, U.S. architecture, right? So I don't know it from you either because you, you share a lot of European references. Yeah, and I think that's, again, it sort of goes back to the very beginnings because that was what I was not seeing. And so it's kind of been the most interesting. So it's it's not necessarily that I, I don't have that interest, let's say. It's just sort of the thing that I'm being exposed to the most. And so what I share is sometimes the stuff that feels a little bit further away from what kind of I'm encountering on a daily professional basis. And I, and I get that that might not always be evident. You know, I, I don't think the intent to sort of convey that anything that's not shared is something that I don't think that is worth sharing, just in the same way that I might not share, you know, the newest projects from a larger office that I know is going to be published everywhere that I think is a really amazing project. It's just you've already seen it 10 times by the time you've gone to my site. And so I don't feel the need to kind of share it in the same way. But, uh, I, you know, there's a very exciting scene of young designers happening in the U.S. now. And I, and I think, you know, I'm seeing a lot of that, I think, you know, through Instagram in a way like, you know, Instagram, you can almost imagine is just like its own platform and the way that you curate your Instagram with the offices you follow and the things that you follow, like you're kind of making your own version of in that way. And so I, I think, you know, kind of coming across that is like, it's been exciting to kind of see that newer generation emerge. And, and it, yeah, it's, I think I touched on a little earlier, it's happening in every country and it's, it's fascinating to kind of look at that, that whole, like whatever that new zeitgeist is and like how all like the individual approaches are coming out of their own cultural contexts and like dealing with maybe similar universal kind of struggles that we deal with as architects in terms of just spatial planning and materiality and all that stuff, but how it's executed across through different cultural influences is super fascinating. So um, I think I'll close with just a question about what, what are some other things that you're working on outside of these platforms, whether professionally or other new projects that have been uh, your more recent focus? I think, yes, it's been touched. I have my own, I co-founded a design practice here in Los Angeles with uh, my business partner, Kristen Corbin, called Part Office about five years ago. That's also been, I think, the reason why the the posting regularity on Subtilitas has suffered a lot in the last few years, sometimes going many weeks at a time without sharing new projects because we've really been investing everything we can into Getting this office under the ground. And like you mentioned, Chris, uh, business is not an aspect of our education. So um, a lot of time spent kind of learning that. I mean, that's really the primary focus outside of this. And then, you know, just trying to spend more time on it. You know, you and I, Chris, have had conversations about perhaps on the technical side, ways to make Subtilitas more accessible, ways to make the archive more accessible, searchable, that sort of thing. But, um, and, you know, just sort of battling all these questions that you've brought up. But at the end of the day, I still, I think maybe this is my own thing, but I wonder if other people would agree that I, I do think that somehow there's some comfort in going to my URL and having the same page always look the same with the same type of content as it's had for over a decade now with the way that um, a lot of media, similar sort of blog-like platforms maybe shift or disappear or reappear or change or reformat, I kind of find comfort in sort of retaining the similar strategy. So that's just sort of the practices like, you know, the personal architectural practice and then the subtilitas to stay inspired.
Yes, as um, I've already mentioned, working at the university, I teach and for the last one and a half years, this was quite time consuming. I think as everyone on the planning planet, we had to reformat our whole process of doing it. It was quite funny. We started this whole we're transforming our content in these short videos before the pandemic hit. We were sitting at the university and some people and um, making a little um, pitch about it, what we are going to do. And some other professors were, what, where do you need that for? <laughs> so it wasn't uh, digital architecture education. No, I have my project. <laughs> yeah, somehow we were a little ahead of each everyone else at the faculty which was quite great because we already had some competences to somehow start into this totally shift of teaching architecture and I don't know I really want to for me what's missing was the last year was having no uh, child care available so a lot of pressure no time is um, more time for reading and more time for learning something new. The last thing I've learned was video editing at the university. And it was so important for me because I could do so much with it. But I'm really missing time to somehow evolve personally as everything gets more and more. And you can go faster and faster. But somehow, yeah, with the pandemic, it's totally broke down. <laughs> this the spaces you had for doing something else. So I hope this will come back. I think traveling is always something that you need when you're doing something like that because I'm not sourcing so much out of Instagram, out of the Instagram content. I don't consume so much content. I try to find content around me and put it into Instagram for the others. Uh, I think this may be one of the secrets why it works for, for the people because not what you see all around it. Well, uh, thank you so much, Katerina and Jeff. This is a pleasure to bring you together and to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Huge pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you to the audience for tuning in the whole hour. Lots of familiar names in here. Hope to hear from you either uh, directly or, or some other way, but thank you, everybody. Hey, it's Chris from Monograph. Thank you so much for joining us here. At Monograph, we're building the number one practice operations platform for small to mid-sized architecture firms. More than 200 practices are using Monograph today to run the business side of architecture. You can start a free trial today or watch a live demo with our CEO, Robert Ewan. Get started at monograph.com. That's monograph.com. Talk to you soon.